want to see the kids play. I want to see the kids play. I also want to see the kids succeed. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. The Pirates are in Los Angeles the next three nights, beginning tonight, 10.35 p.m. First pitch, Stephen Brault taking the mound at Dodger Stadium. The Pirates lost yesterday at home to the Brewers by a 2-1 to count. They have lost so, so, so often of late. I mean, it's it's gotten it, it's gotten to the point where even having a 14 to 4 romp over a first place opponent the way the pirates were able to enjoy with that game 1 of the doubleheader saturday just gets buried like instantly other than that game if you take that out, and, and and you don't, to be fair, it existed. You know, it was a real thing. But if you take it out, the Pirates have lost 10 in a row and have scored a total of 19 runs. So they scored almost as many runs in that one afternoon in half of that doubleheader, seven-inning game, than they had in these other 10 losses that surround it. It's, it's not going well. Yesterday, it went especially poorly for young Rodolfo Castro. Went 0 for 4, struck out all four times up, golden sombrero, and had two throwing errors, each of which led to one of Milwaukee's two runs, which were enough to win the game. These are the kinds of events that can kind of raise your antenna a little bit about a player where you're you're not worried about their future, you're not worried about their potential, but you do and you should legitimately think about what impact it could have on stunting or slowing any progress. Now, I got to testify here that Castro, for a 22-year-old, has, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like, if there's a word that exists between confidence and cockiness, that's him, okay? I don't know that there is one, but maybe we should come up with one in the English language. He's right in that mix. He, he's he's very confident, but he's more than that. And then when you think of cockiness, you almost always think of it in a negative connotation. And he's actually just a delightful kid to be around. So that's all good. That's all positive. And when you see him, and when you're around him when he's not doing well, and you see that he's maintaining that same spirit... There's an instant tendency to not worry about him. You just say, ah, whatever. And to an extent, the numbers will bear that out. Before this game yesterday, he had six hits 
spread out over his previous eight games. You know, including a couple of doubles in there, some pop smoked a ball Saturday in that blowout, 111 miles an hour. So he's still doing his thing, and he's still making heads-up defensive plays. Uh, Occasionally there will be a physical mistake, but you see that there's an awareness and a sense of uh, not just responsibility, but also knowing what to do in unusual situations. And this despite his having played at a couple of different spots since being promoted. All of that gives you comfort, but you still, you still got to be careful. You got to be careful because he is only 22 years old. And there's a difference between a bad day or even a bad week and then something that's more prolonged. Mitch Keller is probably the best example, or the worst example, depending on how you'd care to word it, on the Pirates roster. You look at Keller and you see that right off the bat, when he was called up and had all these high hopes and number seven prospect in all of baseball, Pirates top prospect, Pirates next guy who's going to make you forget about Tyler Glass now and everything else, That wasn't even coming from within the organization. That was coming from independent publications. Keller was supposed to be the thing. He comes up first game in Cincinnati, just gives up all kinds of hits. And yeah, they were unlucky, some of them. And you could see that he still maintained his poise and he still was trying to be the best version of himself. But eventually it just kept happening and happening and happening. And It got to the point, I believe, where the negative results superseded whatever it was that he was actually trying to work on process-wise. And it set him back. And maybe, maybe, not to be that guy, but maybe it set him back for good. You know, there's a part of me that already thinks that Keller isn't going to be anything more than just an ordinary guy in the majors, even if he gets it all together. That might sound unfair, but hey, he's not a child. He's 26 years old. Castro, still a child, still just giddy about being in the majors. He's going to be giddy beyond words to see Dodger Stadium this week. And everything that goes with all of that. Be another place that he dreamed of playing when he grew up. Never mind that he was in Altoona a month ago. So that's going to be in play here. But there's also a side of this that's not just play the kids, play the kids, play the kids. And I'm going to say it once more that I'm one of those people. But you also got to monitor it. You got to watch it. You got to pull them back every once in a while and say, hey, listen, we appreciate what you're doing here. We appreciate the path that you're on. But how about for this this game tonight? You know, you just take a seat and watch somebody else and, you know, you'll be right back at it on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever it is. Or if you're Derek Shelton and you believe that the kid will bounce back more readily by throwing him right back out there, then do that. But one way or another, one way or another, 
look out for the kid's future way more than whatever you think might be gained by just throwing him out there every single day if things don't go well. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question that always comes to you on this program, courtesy of North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park, home of Steak on a Stone. It's also, at least to my limited knowledge, the planet's only sports bar completely dedicated to the Pirates. Nothing but baseball fair, Pittsburgh baseball fair, front to back. Great, great place to watch a game, including when the team is on the road as they're about to be this week. Our question comes from Paul Sapienza, who asks, why doesn't Major League Baseball have a salary cap if the cap is the tide that raises all boats? Money does buy wins, and aside from the occasional outlier, a majority of owners have no chance. So why hasn't that supermajority voted as a block to make it happen? Paul, it's 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 a little bit more layered than let's get all the other owners together and go after the top seven, eight, ten teams. The way this has happened in the past in the other leagues, and mind you, it has now happened in all of the other leagues, the NFL, the NHL, the NBA, Major League Soccer, you name it, they all have a salary cap system, and the systems are virtually identical. Baseball's the only one left operating the way it is, and As you can plainly see, and I can tell from the intonation of your question, it's only getting worse. It's only getting worse. And beginning tomorrow night at Dodger Stadium, you're going to see firsthand how much worse it's getting. Because those are going to be brutal, brutal games. (laughs) Not exactly a bold prediction on my part here. Why hasn't it happened? The simple reason is that the owners have lacked a commissioner with the resolve to unite them. Someone that they could really get behind. If you go back to the most recent example of a league going to the salary cap, that was the NHL, shortly after the beginning of this century. The NHL's owners all had one commonality, and that's that almost all of them were losing money. That's not the case in baseball right now. So right off the bat, I I guess you can call it strike one. But because they had that, all that had to happen was that the commissioner, Gary Bettman, needed to get everyone on the same page. And he chose, rather than to take small market or small revenue owners and unite them in force, because that's just not how it works. Everyone has to get behind the commissioner. 
and the commissioner gets everyone on board. And what Bettman did was he went to the owners of the biggest revenue franchises, New York, Detroit, Montreal, Toronto, Chicago, Boston, and said to them, gentlemen, if you do this, I'm going to make your franchises more money than they've ever made. He appealed to their greed. One of the things that makes me laugh is when I hear someone say, why would the Yankees and Dodgers ever go along with this? You know why? Because the owners of the Yankees and the Dodgers would be multiple, multiple, multiple times over wealthier than they are now. And if you think there's ever a limit to this sort of thing, you don't know the behavior that leads you to becoming that wealthy in the first place. Bettman did this. He didn't just go for the cheapskate big market owner, which was Jeremy Jacobs in Boston. He went to all of them and told them, you can become filthy blah, 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 rich off these franchises. You just have to go along with this cap. And guess what? They did. But you know the other difference in this equation? Yeah, Rob Manfred. Rob Manfred. So the best hope that's out there for baseball is that the owner's side and the player's side slash agents never underestimate the influence of Scott Boris and everybody in that world really, really hate each other. And if this thing gets to the point where there's a lot of finger-pointing and accusations and nastiness, which is where it was getting, remember, at the peak of the pandemic early on, that's when you could see resolve form. That's when you could see resolve form with or without any leadership from Manfred. Last summer, we already started hearing peeps about this from the Cubs, from the Diamondbacks, teams that aren't exactly based in smaller markets. Those are two of the top five in the United States, Chicago and Phoenix. And they were saying things like, "Mm, maybe we should be trying what other leagues are doing. That's what you need. That's what you need. I'm holding out hope for it, my brother. I am. I am. I appreciate the question. We'll have another Daily Shot of Pirates tomorrow. 